The following podcast contains spoilers for Onibaba, which is Japanese for Devil Woman. Ooh. You have been warned! What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of KFR News Radio. This is your host, Glenjamin Button, along with your host, Miguel Megusto, Sexy night, Gusto. How are Do- you? Uh, doing fantastic. I see we're back to this already. Yeah. <laughs> bit of fun, in it? Yeah, I've ever heard. It's a yeah. bit of fun, in it? No. Just, you know, we can't go an entire podcast without insulting someone. Yeah, on well, accident. how dare we? Right. Even though try that was be, kind of on purpose. But. Try to be good Samaritans? <laughs> Disgusting. I spit at that. Hatui. 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 Oh, my um, goodness. How, how you been doing? I've been, I've been doing, man. I've uh, been watching uh, some movies today. Yeah? And it feels good to do Speaking that. Speaking of movies, before I get into that, have there been discussions of Regal opening yet? Uh, so the last email that I got that there was discussions on trying to, there was no confirmed gotcha. date or anything such as that. Just with Godzilla coming up, that I was just a little curious. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd have to check again, but I haven't heard anything on my end from That's anything. That's a bummer. Just saying, hey, it was pretty much a, it was an email saying, hey, we'll see. <laughs> Pretty hey, much. Ju- just letting you know that we're not knowing yet. Hey, we didn't forget about you, but also, <laughs> uh, well, good luck. Good luck. Uh, well, yeah. With that uh, non-news, uh, what what movies have you watched this week? Uh, so this week, I have watched a couple that uh, we're going to be talking about eventually down the line. Yes. But uh, I'll, I'll let you know. It started off with Relic, which is a movie you actually let me borrow, which was pretty very kind of you. Yeah, and I'm a little nervous you're never going to give it back, but that's just because that happened to be a lot in the 90s. I was about to say, I'm, I've been good. I've I've always given gave you your movies back. This is true, you have, yes. Out of the two or three times that I've done it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed that movie a lot. It, uh, you know, With horror movies, it's very tough to know whether or not you're going to enjoy them because like uh you know with a horror movie they all they could all go one way or literally the other way luckily this went with the way that i was hoping um enjoyably you know so that was good i I knew i want my my roommate to watch it too before i give it back because she she loves horror movies Mm -hmm. for Um, me that movie is it's pretty good until like the last 30 minutes mm-hmm. and then the last 30 minutes just take it off the charts for me like I, the last 30 minutes is oh yeah th- among the best uh in the horror genre in, mm-hmm. in a long time so well it's it's definitely the the acting in it too is like just the relationship yeah. between the two characters is really fun it really draws you in and then the end is just so crazy it's it's uh it's it's nutty as they say and kind of sad too and very sad yeah yeah, um, uh, that's got Emily Mortimer and uh, Bella Heathcote for anyone that is interested in watching it. It's a very good Australian film. Mm-hmm. You can rent it uh, on, you know, on VOD, but or borrow uh, it from Mike and he'll kill yeah. you if you never give it back. I will kill you if you never it's give it true. back. I've my two best friends that I've known for over twenty years each. 
I, Key word there was had known. Had Where known. are they now? <laughs> well, who knows? I'll never tell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what <laughs> and, else you watch? Uh, after that, I, I watched uh, His House, which is uh, we're going to be talking about later, maybe, for maybe some award show or something like oh, that. Oh, yes, uh, yes. The Stonies. But, uh, yeah, but I, I, without going into too much detail, I, I did enjoy that. And it was also like a nice little horror film. That, oh, I, yeah. that went the right way, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then uh, before the movie uh, that we're going to be talking about, I watched The Life Ahead, uh, which is that Italian film that I believe you uh, had just spoken about last week. Yep. Yep. So the, so I, I enjoyed that as well. It was uh, It is really nice to uh, kind of get a different perspective on, uh, you know, instead of just like an Italian person in Italian. You know, yeah, I feel like Italian, a lot of in, in Italy. <laughs> I feel like a lot of Italian films that we're exposed to are just like, yeah. This is gonna sound horrible, but it's legitimately the kind of Italian films Americans are exposed to are like mm-hmm. pasta eating, wine drinking Italian films. Yeah, uh, and I know that sounds horrible, but legitimately, it's just what we're exposed. To. Yeah, it's just what we're. Just what we're <laughs> I saying. mean, the the last Ita- other than this, the last Italian movie I watched was Pinocchio. And mm-hmm. uh, they didn't eat pasta in that, but it was all like wine drinking and, and eating and, and stuff like that for some of the characters. So, yeah. Yeah. And this this movie had a nice little relationship growth uh, between two characters and maybe a couple more, too, as well. Yeah. Just that, but mainly for the for the kid himself, just being able to grow out of this. Well, not grow out, but like be able to evolve, you know past uh, what he was originally um and besides uh that that is all i've watched but, uh, but i'm planning on watching some more after this podcast maybe a maybe a little netflix uh documentary about biggie smalls is in my eyes right now don't say his name three times in a mirror you know what happens well if you don't know now you know yeah biggie smalls biggie smalls biggie smalls, biggie smalls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mike, what did you watch? <laughs> uh, so I started off last week by watching a uh, independent horror movie called Seder. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the kind of movie that had so much potential but just didn't land. Uh, it, it, in my opinion, it's uh, also, in a way, a product of its budget. It's the kind of movie where... Like the director is, just does is this everything. The one you post that uh, that review, that really long review I saw on Letterboxd. I mean, it's only three paragraphs. It's or, not well, really long. <laughs> it's long for Instagram, but yeah, yeah. yeah. True. Um, but yeah, so essentially, this I I will not fault the director at all. Mm-hmm. I think his priorities were just wrong. Uh, what he made was a technically impressive horror film, but the story just doesn't make sense and is kind of dumb and is the worst part of it. And if you're making a low-budget film, you mm-hmm. need a good story. Um, but he also did everything. Like, at the end, it doesn't say a film by it. just says created by his name and then everything he did, which included, like, set design, uh, editing, cinematography. Um, I think he did makeup, too. It was a whole bunch of, like, a whole paragraph. Just of things he did. Yeah, things <laughs> he did. And moved on to the other credits. Yeah, and he also so I I could be wrong about this, but he he uh, credited himself as both the producer and executive producer. But I'm fairly well, certain double check yourself, I guess. Yeah, I'm fairly certain mm-hmm. that executive producers have similar work to producers. I know they're different, but I think producer kind of encompasses a lot of different things, mm-hmm. and like executive producers, like a downgrade from that. 
so I, I don't know. I it, it's weird. It's it's a really I impressive. Can't imagine his payroll just to himself. That would oh be yeah, nuts. <laughs> he just pocketed the all yes, the money. Give me all that. No, thank but you. he it's the sound design is incredible. The look of the film is incredible. It's just the story's not there, and I was really disappointed because mm. to me, story is everything. Um, you could have a shitty looking movie, but if the story's amazing. I mean, look at Paranormal Activity. That movie looks like shit, but everyone loves the story. And it is yeah. an impressive story, even though I don't really care for that movie. It's interesting. It holds your interest. Um, yeah, and also for what it is, for sure, definitely. Yeah. Uh, it was way better than it should have been. Definitely. Uh, then I watched, you know me, a true crime docuseries mm -hmm. uh, called The Most Dangerous Animal of All, which is about this guy who uh, di grew up knowing he was adopted, and then he found out his dad may have been the Zodiac Killer, uh, and he wrote this book about it, but it's also kind of breaking down the things he exaggerated to yeah. make it seem more like like he was right. Um, it's kind of a, an interesting documentary, more on the psychosis of someone who like just needs to know who his father is. And the one fact that he knows about his father is that his father died in 1984. So like the rest is just speculation. Yeah. And it, it like, it, it follows him as he's trying to prove that his dad's the Zodiac killer. Uh, but a pretty haunting to do your whole life trying to find out whether or not your dad murdered a bunch of people. Yeah. And it's, it's just kind of like, if that makes you feel better, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Say I mean, your dad's a like Zodiac what, killer. What but... happens at the end of that trail, though? Like, but yeah, right, he, well, my dad was a Zodiac killer. The, <laughs> the problem is he keeps thinking like the the San Francisco police are like doing a cover up because uh, his his biological mother was married to a detective on that during the Zodiac killing crimes and all that, and it's just like it, it's it's an interesting documentary, but like his 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 evidence doesn't add up, and that's kind of the whole point of the documentary. Yeah, uh, but it does make a very compelling argument at first, like it builds up his case and then tears it down. So it's very yeah. interesting in that sense. Uh, then I watched Downhill, which is a Will Ferrell movie uh, that is based on a Swedish film called Force Majeure, which I watched last year. Uh, that is about um, a family who is on vacation in the, uh, I think this is the Austrian Alps. If the Austrian, they're in mountains in Austria. I don't know if the Alps are in Austria. I'm, my geography is not that great with, uh, you know, Europe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, specifically mountains in Europe. But anyway, uh, so he, they're uh, they're on vacation, and then a controlled avalanche happens, but it gets too close to the outside dining of the restaurant. Yeah, and everyone thinks they're going to die. And Will Ferrell's character uh, r takes his phone, oh. his cell phone, and runs away. I remember this movie um, now. I didn't watch it, obviously, but yeah, it's based on a Swedish that, movie. That whole time I'm sitting there trying to piece it together what the hell this movie was. Yeah, so it's just kind of like how his family reacts to him running away when they thought they were going to die. Yeah. Uh, and um, obviously the original Swedish version is better. Mm. Uh, I think this has a lot of really negative reviews, but I think that is solely because it is an American remake of a, a European film. Yeah. Because um, if, if you take that away, which I know you can't, but if you do take that away, it's a fine film. Okay. But watch Force Majeure over downhill yeah. and then watch downhill afterwards but you know they're they're fine films they're force majeure is just a hell of a lot better yeah uh but yeah that's downhill 
Uh, then uh, I watched The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, and The Lord of the Rings, The Return mm-hmm. of the King. Me and my my buddies had a little Lord of the Rings marathon uh, to finish the... We watched The Fellowship of the Ring a few few weeks ago. Um, we did watched it in theaters, right? We did The Fellowship of the Ring in theaters, but well, yeah, uh, yeah. we did this at my house um, with the extended versions, and the two extended versions... With bathroom breaks and stopping to get food and everything, took us eleven hours to watch. Jesus. <laughs> Granted, uh, a lot of the we're all we're not old, but we're like at the point where we can't hold. Oh, you're, yeah, you're, you're over the hill. Yeah. Yeah, we're over the hill. <laughs> One foot in the uh, grave. Got it. <laughs> I I bought sixty dollars worth of alcohol. Uh, oh. for, for them, not I was for about me. To say, I know you didn't even take a sip. No, I mean I, I tried some hard ciders because I like hard cider, but yeah, I, not enough to drink a lot. I, I stuck to my Coke Zero. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it took eleven hours. It was a great time though. We had we had a fun time. Did you have uh, any meats? Uh, we did not have meats. Um, <sighs> yeah, but yeah, we that would have that would literally would have been your whole day on top yeah. of watching that. <laughs> yeah, we we made uh, we made we we ordered pizza and wings. Uh, so yeah that was good then i watched onibaba we'll get to that in a second and then the last three movies were rewatches uh we watched the aeronauts me and my wife because she wanted to watch it which is a movie with um what's oh god why can't i remember their names uh eddie redmayne and felicity jones there we go um where they play uh uh eddie redmayne is a like a meteorologist that's trying to learn about the atmosphere and everything mm-hmm. uh, in the 1800s. And uh, Felicity Jones is a hot air balloon pilot that is taking him up to study the atmosphere. Interesting. Um, yeah, and it's a very interesting film. I, I, I had watched it before, but Caitlin hadn't, so we, she wanted to watch it. Yeah, I haven't um, even heard of that movie, I don't think. It's it's a really good movie. It's on it's on uh, Amazon Prime. Okay. I, I wouldn't say really good, but it's a good movie. It's a good it's, film. Yeah, it, it's got a lot of... Uh, really cool segments um i just the only thing is i don't think emotionally it hits home as much as it thinks it does mm-hmm. uh but it is a good movie okay. uh then i watched cool runnings and honestly uh i found out caitlin has never seen cool Runnings, so i might re-watch that again tonight um but i love cool runnings and then i watched coming to america because coming to america but with the number two not the word two Mm-hmm. So this <laughs> is a brand new one on Amazon. Prime. Yeah, that that's coming out Friday. So I wanted to uh, revisit the first one because it's been a while since I've seen it. Um, yeah, so had a, a week of mostly mostly uh, rewatches, but yeah, it was that's a good week. All right, you just had a huge year of uh, absolutely watching everything new. Yeah, I'm trying to focus not focus on rewatches, but I do want to revisit movies more. Uh, like, I've already watched The Mummy this year, but you and I, you have no say in the matter, are going to see The Mummy in theaters. Understandable. Whatever the hell that is. I think that might be this weekend, actually. Oh, um, yeah. So Good thing I literally don't have anything going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, you, you don't have a say in the matter. You're coming with me. Yep. Um, so, yeah, we're going to watch The Mummy again. But, yeah. That, that sounds perfect. That does it for what I watched this week. Let's get into some news. Um, I'll just go first. My news is, yeah. is pretty quick. Uh, so Neil Blomkamp, who is the director of Dr- District 9, Elysium, Chappie, and uh, he, a bunch of short films that are on Amazon, um, I think it's called Oak Studio Shorts, is the collection you can watch. Uh, he announced that he is working on the District 9 sequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I personally, even though after District 9, everything he's made has been kind of meh, 
I am still a huge champion of his, and I want him to do really well. Uh, and I, I hope the District Nine sequel is, you know, worth it. And I'm I'm excited. Uh, yeah, he uh, he holds a special place in my heart for me loving District Nine and absolutely loathing Chappie. <laughs> the thing, the funny thing about Chappie is, I have it on Blu-ray. I mm-hmm. don't hate it, but I don't like it either. Like it's yeah. just like I I like, I I pitied bought it. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I think like I remember walking out of the theater for a good. Uh, good at least like 20 minutes because i was just so bored out of my mind and then going back in and watching the rest of it because you know yeah. i had that freedom at regal like oh yeah do whatever i want but um yeah i mean it's the the biggest obviously the biggest problem with uh uh chappy for me is the the two uh south african rappers ninja and yolandi visser um I forget what name uh, uh, Dion Food. That's what they they go by their stage band mm-hmm. name. Uh, they're the worst parts of it. They were the biggest mistake that he has ever made, in my opinion. The rest of the movie is okay, but they just make it unbearable when they're in it, and it's a waste of Sigourney Weaver and Hugh Jackman uh, and Dev Patel. I forgot it. those two were even in it. Well, that's because uh, Dion Food in it is just so annoying that you forget anyone else is yeah. <laughs> involved in it. Uh, but I'm I'm always rooting for uh neil blomkamp and i hope that mm-hmm. he he kind of turns it around same because like a district nine is a is like a it's a masterpiece it's like a thing that people have like a second one has been like i think people have been wanting for a long time yeah too, i wanted so. it the second the credits started rolling for the first one mm-hmm. so, so yeah, we'll see so hopefully hopefully it lives up to the hype yeah. you know and then wait. Uh, yeah and then related to chappie and elysium and district nine uh Charlton Copley, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. Charlto? Charlto, yeah. He is playing uh, the Unabomber Ted Kaczynski in a biopic uh, called Ted K, uh, written and directed by Tony Stone. Um, I, I have, with my <laughs> true crime documentaries... The have, that you've been having lately. Yeah, I've been, I've been you know, kind of interested in uh, Ted Kaczynski and the Unabomber story. So I'm, I'm interested especially because, uh, Sh- Charlto is such a gifted actor that I feel like just because he kind of picked lackluster movies has kind of fallen off the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited for, for that and excited to see his performance. Well, yeah, absolutely. That'd be great. Yeah. What's your news? Uh, so mine are going to be kind of rapid fire, at least the first one for sure. Uh, the first one is Amanda Heard fired from Aquaman rumors debunked, which uh, I was pretty hyped for for a hot second because uh, I just don't want either of those two to be in the news anymore or care. <laughs> so I was like, oh, dope. She got fired because Johnny got fucking fired from uh, the the Harry the spinoff Harry Potter films that I can't remember yeah. the name of. Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, so I was like, oh, yeah, fuck them. And apparently they were debunked, and she's, I guess, still going to be a part of uh, Aquaman 2. That's a shame. Not not because, like, I I think Johnny Depp should absolutely... But, like, they're both so obviously toxic to just people in general. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily everyone, because there's obviously enough people for them to still keep possibly getting work. Mm-hmm. But if we're going to hold men uh, accountable, we should hold women accountable. And if, yeah. if you even the court decision decisions that she's won 
the I mean, things the things that she has done to him are just there's just clear cut evidence enough to just be like yo just yeah. fucking rip them both and bo- yeah both of them not not just her like both of them yeah. they they're both terrible people um and uh yeah <laughs> but other than that is rumored uh rumored debunked who knows if it'll actually happen eventually maybe who knows uh after that tenant opening in new york this Friday, six months after initial release, they are opening up a, well, have, I think they have just opened up New York, uh, so a handful of New York City uh, movie theaters. Um, so they're going to hopefully be kicking back in, slowly cool. bringing it all back. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe we'll all open up one day. And that yeah. leads me into my next uh, thing. So three piece here. Texas and Mississippi lift mask mandates and roll back COVID restrictions. Oh, so we're uh, just going to get another peak there. Woo! So, yeah. So, and, it, you know, all my hope that I had for the last thing that I just said, instantly, I mean, they obviously, they still have to wear masks and stuff like that, but businesses are all going 100% apparently back into Texas. Now, again, I didn't read this full article, but there's been a lot of news spreading around so far about these two. Uh, opening back up and i haven't looked at the numbers i don't know how well texas is doing uh during covid texas was never doing well so yeah well it's <laughs> again it's gonna be worse here soon so yeah uh, all the hope that i had hopefully i mean maybe we are fine but i don't I, i'm hoping that the vaccine being a thing yeah uh, is going to help make it better um I'm one half of the vaccine done already. I got mm-hmm. my my first vaccine because I'm a fat boy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I haven't I haven't gone anywhere, done anything, so I haven't. Yeah. And, and also, I don't have that much money, so I can't just go and do such thing. Yeah. You can. But one day, one I'll day. have a needle in my arm, real good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, but that that's all the news for me. All right. Mind. So let's get into Onibaba. Baba. Two women kill samurais and sell their belongings for a living, while one of them is having an affair with their neighbor. The other woman meets a mysterious samurai wearing a bizarre mask. Ooh. Written and directed by Kaneto Shindo and starring Nabuko Arua, uh, Jitsuko Yash- Yashimura, Kai Sato, and Jukichi Uno. Um, it is a film from 1964. Uh, 8.0 out of 10 on IMDb, and obviously we watched it on the Criterion channel, and mm-hmm. it is part of the Criterion collection. So you got to know it's at least somewhat good. Gotta. Gotta. What did you think? So uh, I haven't seen many like uh, Japanese films that were at least from like the 60s. And I mean, there's kung fu films out there that I've seen, but not yeah. like, you know, films that weren't kung fu films. So this mm-hmm. is kind of actually my first film that I've actually like come to memory have seen yeah um i enjoyed it i did like specifically the cinematography and how good it looked oh yeah it is a beautiful black and white film yeah it Uh, is it is a gorgeous movie yeah especially the lighting 
especially in like all the dark places and like how they lit like faces and stuff like that. That's Definitely. like what did it for me is like yeah. that and the black and white was such a good combo. And it does such a good job at throwing you into the time period and the era of what's going on. Uh, possibly the only Japanese film I've seen or any film I've seen where the samurai are the bad guys. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, well, the, our, our heroes are kind of anti-heroes, yeah. so I, I don't know if I would say they're the bad guys. There's, it doesn't. There's get... like an, there's like a civil war going on between two emperors. And yeah. So these these two uh, ladies are, as we said in the synopsis, they're killing samurai and like uh, selling their equipment to you know kind of like a black market thing and yeah, you know getting food. So like they're surviving by killing people. So they're they're pretty much anti heroes for sure, absolutely. Because um, you know they're killing samurai. <laughs> yeah, uh, but <laughs> I, I thought that it was just the, the fact that it, the entire thing for the most part takes place in this giant grass field mm-hmm. uh, and doesn't really leave it except for to go into people's huts or to go to the river. It, it made it feel very claustrophobic, like these women cannot leave their situation. Yeah. Um, and it re- it really aided you in kind of putting you in the mindset of, like, oh, yeah, you got to kill that samurai. Um, and also a dog, unfortunately. We got to stop watching movies where dogs I, die, I know, Glenn. I know you didn't pick this. This was yeah. the film, guys. We're but... doing so good. And then that scene rolled up, I immediately messaged you. Yeah. I was like, well, I know <laughs> yeah. one reason you when, don't when like they, this. When, when they saw the dog, uh, I was just like, oh, such yeah. a cute puppy. <laughs> I and literally then... went, well. Well, the, the problem is... The, the way they stopped and just stared at it is how I react when I see dogs. Oh, a dog. And then they started chasing him. And I was like, oh, they're trying to catch him to play with him. And <laughs> yeah, then and they were like, oh, dog. Yeah, then they start hitting it. I'm like, oh, n- oh, no. Yeah, because no. they're oh, no. scarce on food. And, they, and it they, was such a cute little puppers. They need to do whatever they need to survive. And they saw that puppy and they took action. Yeah. Definitely at one point they even talked about... Uh, like people are killing people just to yeah. survive, like a uh, you know even for food. Yeah, and, and uh, th- as much as I don't like it when dogs dies die in movies, mm-hmm. I am easier on it when it adds to the film. I feel like a lot of horror movies are just like, oh, let's kill the dog so you understand how severe it is. But then there's never an emotional reaction to it. Yeah, there isn't an emotional reaction to this, but it's done purposefully to let you know how desperate they are. Yeah, uh, it's um, it, it shows you like, you know, it invokes your emotion to be like, oh, why would they ever kill a dog? Oh, because that's just how bad it is right now. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was bad. I tell yeah. you what. Um, this movie, you know, it's, it's really funny because when we think of like old black and white movies, uh, specifically from America, the Mm. United States, we think very conservative, very tight laced, like no cursing, no, uh, sex. All the kissing is like so awkward that it's kind of like kissing was handholding back then. Kissing was handholding back then. Yeah. And well, that's um, a sin. <laughs> <laughs> but and then we, we see movies like this and this, it kind of happens uh whenever I watch old Ingmar Bergman movies uh because other cultures just have such lax opinions of uh sex and nudity which honestly mm-hmm. it, it should be that way. Yeah. Uh we just kind of grew up in a puritan nation 
in a way. Yeah, like um, for this movie, obviously, for example, there was a kind of a lot of nudity, but it yeah. wasn't like forceful nudity in any mm-hmm. way. It was just like they made sense. They, yeah, if their clothes were hanging off a little bit, like that's obviously what was going on. Like you yeah. saw a booby. Guess what? There was a booby there because mm-hmm. the, the clothes, the, the jumps, and like nothing was like tight on bodies and stuff like that. Yeah, and even the sex scenes themselves, although overly dramatic. They were, it's not like it was out of place in any way. Oh, yeah. It, it felt normal. Yeah. The, the overdramatic um, nature of sex scenes back in the day across cultures is because back then film was still trying to find its own style and uh, was more or less kind of going off of how stage acting was and then just changing it a little bit. And then stage acting, you need it to be overly dramatic mm-hmm. and, and in your face like that. Yeah, it's um, the same same way with death scenes as well. Yeah. Like just getting shot or stabbed. But, like, as it's it sounds a little weird, but when you, when you watch a, an older film, um, it kind of... You kind of have to be in the right mindset to watch an older film, specifically one from the U.S., mm-hmm. because you know it's going to be different and overly dramatic. And it kind of helps you get through it when <laughs> as weird as it sounds there are familiar things from now like nudity and and <laughs> sex and violence and oh no, now yeah, well yeah but like it, it just makes it more familiar yeah uh to see movies that are more groundbreaking for their time but also normal for our time mm-hmm. um whereas like if this came out tomorrow uh made from this year no one would bat an eye yeah and maybe in japan no one batted an eye i don't know what the culture was like in the 60s in japan um but it's just they definitely got their eyes full on this one yeah it's just it's nice to see an old film that kind of shows you that our generation isn't completely lost Mm -hmm. people always kind of like this and there's just there was a lot of censorship in the u.s in the 40s 50s and 60s yeah and, uh, I mean, let's talk about the three people that we really see in the movie. Yeah, um, I mean, kid, I, <laughs> the two main characters don't even have names. They're just Kichi's yeah. mother, Kichi's wife. And then there's uh, Hachi. And then the, the neighbor, yeah, the neighbor Hachi. Uh, so when when you were muted there for a second, I just <laughs> looked at my um, my uh, notes, and <laughs> there, there was one scene in particular where both uh, Kichi's mother and Kichi's wife just, like, were topless and I just put tits out for Kichi because it was like right after they found out, <laughs> right after they found out he was dead. Tits <laughs> so, out for Kichi. Yes, <laughs> I just had to share that. So, um, so is that is that like a Harambe thing? Yeah, t- uh, <laughs> I think it was dicks out for Harambe. Yeah, dicks out for Harambe. Some women changed the tits out for oh Harambe. Oh my god! Uh, but yeah, the, these characters are all very. Um, distinct archetypes in a way mm-hmm. uh where you know kichi's mother is very controlling and the fact that her son's dead makes her feel like she's losing her grasp on her control and everything mm-hmm. um uh obviously hachi the neighbor is kind of like a cowardly pig of a man absolutely um, and uh i mean he's braver than i would i would never go off to war to begin with Oh, yeah. But, but it, it, by by that Civil War's times standards, he was a coward. Oh, yeah, because um, he, he pretty much left the war and just came back to be like a hermit, basically. Yeah, exactly. And then Kichi's wife, 
you know, just kind of seems like she's trying to have some sense of normalcy back in her life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's it really makes for an interesting dynamic. The one thing I thought was funny is uh, they kept referring to Kichi's mother as old woman. Uh, specifically, Hachi was doing that because, yep. um, you know, everyone in this movie is kind of horny. Absolutely. Yeah, and understandable. If you're a woman, if you're a straight woman without a man for so long, you're going to get horny. Mm-hmm. If you're a straight man without a woman for so long, you're going to get horny. Oh, just uh, horny, period. Absolutely. Just horny, period. Uh, so, like, when uh, Kichi's mother, like, tries to sleep with him and he's like, oh, you're too old, you're too old. The actress who plays Kichi's mother when this was made was 39 years old. Yeah. And Hachi was 35 years old. So the difference there is not too much. Yeah. It, but it was definitely pretty funny the way he's just like, no, no, you're too old. Especially when uh, Kichi's wife definitely looked for sure younger. I don't know oh, how yeah. old she was in the film, but I mean, it definitely made sense. It was it was funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. She was like 22, so... Yeah. If anything, Kichi's mother is more age appropriate for Hachi. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but you know, even Kichi's mother is is a beautiful woman. So like, mm-hmm. he's just kind of crazy. Like, yeah, she has like a Cruella Deville, uh, wife of Frankenstein, streak in her hair. But you yeah. know, but that's it, okay. You could be into that. Yeah, he could have been with two ladies. He could have <laughs> been with two ladies. Um. But but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I really I really liked the characters. They were they were they yeah. were fun in their moments, and you know you never really held on to anybody specifically. And like, oh, I hope they get the upper hand on this. Or like, oh yeah, um, it, it did a real good job at making you not really choose sides. Even though yeah. I personally sided with the mother more, mm-hmm. not in the controlling aspect, just in the I understand you already lost your your son losing his wife is going to be like losing him him again yeah and just Um, not only losing the wife but losing the wife to this random you know bum yeah which as far as as far as she knows could have actually killed him and and left like and um, in fact is also in you know incited that she he probably would have that she she goes he probably he probably done it herself so she was skeptical of such a thing um that happened and another thing that I liked about this movie so much is that they, they showed the hole, like, that's basically in the earth, <laughs> like, many times throughout the film. Oh, where they, they hide did, the bodies, yeah. Yeah, where they throw the samurai bodies over and when they, you know, when they murder them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they showed that a lot to know something was going to happen with this eventually. And eventually that did happen. And, in fact, they did it twice. And then they left it, like, a cliffhanger or a hole hanger. Who knows? Oh. Ooh. But I, I thought that was cool, and like the moment where the the samurai general rolls up, he's got his uh, demon oni mask, um, which is just a cool look in general. Oh yeah, like it, it, it really like. I see what you it, did there because he's a general. Yeah. What? Shh. He said in general. Oh, you, <laughs> I you didn't do that guy. on purpose. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's such a cool look, and uh, that I was like, somebody's gonna fucking fall on that eventually, because you got. Hachi running around like a like a weirdo because yeah. he's flirting with a twenty two year old. I, I mean that just showed his immaturity too. Oh, whenever yeah. they showed him just running around, uh, and I was waiting my whole my whole life for this moment for Hachi to fall in or uh, the the widow to fall in, and I'm just like, oh, somebody fall into it, and then finally, eventually, somebody did. Yeah, and it was the samurai general. Yeah, 
who was somehow still kind of alive when she went down to retrieve his his gear um i was just like gasp yeah there it is finally (laughs) yeah and and then that that kind of introduces the whole idea of a curse um that i it's never really explained but i love that it's never explained Mm -hmm. uh you know the they kind of hint that the general was cursed with that mask and uh he can't take it off and then when he dies it's it's and she tries to take it off of him it's extremely hard for her for him her to take it off get it off her face yeah and um and and then obviously she uses it to to try to scare uh her daughter-in-law into staying with her Mm -hmm. uh by pretending to be a demon and then it gets stuck on her face, but they, they, I, I love that they never explain how it happened. So yeah. it kind of makes you buy into the idea of a curse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really, I really enjoyed that too. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't honestly have too much to say. We, we hit a lot of the bases oh, yeah. for me. It's, I, it, I think the, the, the parts for the, the acting is great in it. It's yeah. got great acting. The, uh, having it take place in a huge grass, uh, field, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just surrounded by grass, all the like tall grass too, taller than everyone in the film, uh, and and um, just the kind of seclusion of it all really enhances that paranoia and horror. And that even though nothing supernatural happens until like th- there's thirty minutes left in it, it does add this tension to it that's incredible. Uh, so I, yeah, I. Other than that, I think I got nothing else to say. I think it's a really solid film. Yeah, for for, for me too. Like there, there's so much going on in in a good way, you know. Yeah. And again, that cinematography and the lighting for me is kind of what the key strokes for me. Uh, besides the besides the dramatic acting when there's sex or deaths involved, I mean <laughs> it's 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 a good film for sure. Yeah. Looking at. And even that, I just chalk it up to the times. Yeah, it's absolutely um, the times. So. Uh, you ready for the judgment? I am. So as always, everyone knows. If you don't know, you're going to know now. It needs to be a unanimous decision in order to become a little shelf boy. Go on the K- KFR shelf uh, with the likes of Apostle and Handmaiden. Benjamin <laughs> Button, does Onibaba make it onto the shelf for you? For me, I think Onibaba does. For for a little tale of its time, I think it, it hits home for me. Uh, it just looked so good it, with such a small cast too. They kind of blew it away, and uh, and just kind of like the little the little curse of Onibaba was the the little mask the demon uh, was really cool to yeah. to watch happen as well. I think I think they did very well on this. Yeah, I agree. I, I with uh, you know the ex- exception of the acting, which again is forgivable for the time, mm-hmm. uh, and and not even the acting overall, just in like super intense moments. Yeah. Um, I think this movie is timeless in a way. Like it, it is something that I still holds up incredibly today. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, I 100% agree that it becomes a shelf boy with the likes of Apostle and Handmaiden because I can't ever think of anything else. Yeah, it, it, it just it just flows so well. It Apostle does. Apostle and Handmaiden. You know, <laughs> you can't if you, if you mix it up now, it's it's just it, it doesn't work as well. It doesn't, and it has to be a movie like the week before for mm-hmm. me to, to add it. Uh, so yes, yeah, so Oni Baba does make it onto the shelf. That brings us to our plugs for next week. Uh, Glenn, what is your plug for next week? Oh well, I'll I'll go gladly. Um, last week, there was kind of a little interview on Variety on YouTube that uh, went down. And I, I was in the middle of watching it right before we uh, started uh, the podcast here. Mm-hmm. Um, it is 
Uh, Bang Zhu Ho and Lee Isaac Chung talk Minari family and working with Steven Yun. 그 가족분들도 영화를 다 보셨을까 궁금해요. 이게 저기 엄마 아빠나 예예다 보셨어요. 저는 아... 좀 여쭤보기 조심스러운데 할머니도 보셨나요? 혹시 할머니가 살아계신? 아 할머니는 아, 돌아가셨어요. So she she passed away when I was uh, like four, uh, 13 years old. So it's been a long time. Yeah. But but my mom and dad they saw it last year in uh, November around Thanksgiving time actually. Wow. Yeah. Uh, at, at the time, I thought I was going to ruin the dinner and uh, the Thanksgiving dinner. Ooh. Um, and yeah, that's on Variety. This is this is like these are two huge directors that obviously we both love. Um, and I just want to hear the them two talking to each other. Well, well, listening or reading, reading, because you know they're uh, speaking Korean. And I just, uh, from what I'm reading through the comments, like it's he's Bang Joo Ho is such a good like moderator. It just like has great questions that. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm excited to finish it because uh, I'm excited. So you yeah. guys should be excited too because I'm recommending it. I'm excited. Go. I didn't even know this was a thing, but yeah, mm -hmm. Bong, Bong Joon Ho is like as ter as as pretentious as this sounds. He really is like a student of the craft of filmmaking, mm -hmm. even though he's among the best directors of all time in my opinion yeah he, he's still a student and he's, he's always goes in with a curious mind which is uh incredible so uh yeah i'm looking forward to that uh my little uh plugsy for this is um hold on i actually clicked something there Disgusting. we go <laughs> my plug for this week uh as we discussed last week i at one point wanted to become a uh archaeologist uh, a big part of that, me wanting to become an archaeologist, was uh, Pompeii and the eruption of Mount Vesuvius. Mm -hmm. uh, I learned surprisingly recently, because, you know, I was a kid when I was obsessed with Pompeii, that there was another town uh, that was also buried under Mount Vesuvius's eruption. Oh, wow. And that is uh, the city of Hercula Herculaneum, which uh, is... On the nose. Yeah, uh, it is uh, arguably a a more devastating, uh, you know, loss of life mm -hmm. in that moment. So there is a, uh, a channel called Absolute History in which there is a nearly hour long documentary uh, that um, is about this. Follows uh, Professor Andrew Wallace Hadrill or Hadrill, uh, who is a uh, professor, obviously, is in his name. Yeah. And he just goes through everything in, in Herculaneum. Herculaneum is also incredibly well-preserved, uh, unlike Pompeii, which is all, essentially every two-story building that is in Pompeii collapsed, whereas in Herculaneum, it's essentially untouched. Like, you can see color in, in, oh, wow. in everything. So it's an incredibly... Pretty, pretty impressive, considering I've, I've never even heard of it. Pompeii yeah. gets, like, literally all the attention. Yeah, Pompeii gets the attention because of the, the casts, like, you know, people being uh, buried in ash. And the only reason the casts are still there is because at some point, the archaeologists who were digging that up realized that, that the... Uh, the ash was hollow so mm -hmm. they they injected it kind of to make to make a um a a mold of the people so the the skeletons are still within that cast and you can learn a lot uh, about uh people of a time from skeletons which is what they kind of did with herculaneum yeah um 
So it, it goes through all that stuff. It's an hour-long documentary called The Towns That Suffered a Fate Worse Than Pompeii slash the other Pompeii on Absolute History on YouTube. The only annoying thing about this is the way that Professor Andrew Wallace Hadrill pronounces the word eight. He essentially just says at, and it, it bothers the shit out. He's, he's extremely posh and British. So yeah. I'm chalking it up to that, but it, that's the only thing that's annoying about it. So that's seven, on YouTube. Seven at nine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ew. it's it's annoying. <laughs> the modern exploration of Pompeii started in 1748. Now, nearly two and a half million visitors come here every year. No wonder it boasts the oldest amphitheater in the ancient world, an ancient brothel, and these world-famous casts. Yet, just 10 miles down the road is a place destroyed by the same eruption that for me is, if anything, even more fascinating. It adds color and close-up detail to what life was really like in a Roman town. This is the city of Hercules, Herculaneum. But, uh, uh yeah, so that's, that's my plug. <laughs> uh, that brings us to uh, my selection this week. It's my turn to pick a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I th- kind of wanted to stay in the uh, the 60s and 70s era. The movie I'm going to pick is from 1978, and it is on... Oh, hold on one second. I got to check something. It was free on Prime, and now I see that it says a dollar... Oh, no. 99, so... They always on. do that to you. Always. Yeah, let, me, let me see if there's another one. Oh, it's on Tubi for free. Oh, that's good. Uh, so you can either pay $2 to watch it on Amazon, or you can watch it on Tubi for free. Uh, that is... Uh, the movie is called The Chant of Jimmy Blacksmith. Blacksmith? Jesus Christ. The Chant of Jimmy Blacksmith from 1978. Uh, it is an Australian film. And it is about Jimmy Blacksmith, the son of an aboriginal mother and white father, falls victim to much racist abuse after marrying a white woman and goes on a killing spree and finds himself on the run in the <laughs> aftermath. You uh, really are into all this true crime stuff, aren't you? <laughs> well, no. I mean, this this honestly, I fa- uh, heard about this movie before the true crime stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I'm all for revenge movies, especially of, uh, you know, Native people, uh, whether in Native America there is a... A uh, story of a Native American woman who uh, went on a revenge killing rampage that I really want to make a movie about at one point. Okay. Um, and then this is kind of a similar story with an Aboriginal Australian yeah. uh, going on a killing rampage. And it is directed by Fred Shapisi and written by Fred Shapisi based on the novel by Thomas Ken- Keneally. Uh, it's starring Tommy Lewis, Freddie Reynolds, Ray Barrett, and Jack Thompson. There's obviously a whole bunch more people in there. Uh, and that is on Tubi for free, or you can rent it on Amazon. And again, it is called The Chant of Jimmy Blacksmith. All right. Which is just a good fucking name. I spoke to your husband. You know we haven't got anything to eat, boss. I've got a hungry wife and a kid at home. I told him I can't go on forwarding and groceries. Forwarding? I earned everything you've given me and more. You'll only lose that child of yours if you stay with the blacks. They keep doing this. Don't you talk to me like that. I'll soon bloody... Jimmy! 
It is a really good name. Yeah. Like, how so, do you go walking around like that with that name? How dare you? Well, no, I mean, like, the, the, t the title of the film, the, the chant of Jimmy Blacksmith, what a name. And Jimmy Blacksmith, that's a cool name, that's too. That's what I'm but. saying, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, thank you, everyone, for listening. As always, you can check out our website, www.keystonefilmreview.com. On Instagram, we are Keystone underscore film underscore review. Twitter, Keystone underscore film. Facebook, Keystone Film Review. YouTube, Keystone Film Review. And on Letterboxd, I am Mike KFR. And I'm Glenn KFR. And that will do it until next week when we see an Aboriginal man get his revenge on a bunch of Australians. Mm -hmm. Good night, mate. Oh. I already upset some uh, somebody today. I'm not doing it again. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna kill you with his Shit axe, on man. The <laughs>